shit, it's the coin toss. Brought to you by Wild Turkey. Gobble, gobble, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. Let's get it. Tarek, heads or turkey? Well, I'll do uh, tails, turkey feathers. It's heads. Trey, you want the ball? Uh, I'm more of an Elijah Craig man anyway. Oh, okay. Well, I'll I'll take the ball then. I was going to defer, but uh, (laughs) since uh, Tark decided to talk shit about wild turkey, this pod brought to you by wild turkey. uh, Yeah, give me the ball. (laughs) All right, guys. Here's the scenario. It's your turn to pick in a startup. Let's say 12 teams, PPR. I'm your co-manager, and I'm between uh, DK Metcalf and T. Higgins in the second round. Which way are you going to push me and why? T. Higgins, no doubt. Like, going to score way more points this year. Uh, I mean, I think talent-wise, he's on the same level as DK Metcalf. I think we've seen enough through two years to to say that. Uh, you know, DK Metcalf has a huge question mark in a situation, whereas T. Higgins is in one of the best situations in the league. And, you know, usually we say talent over situation. Well, in this case, the talent is close enough and the situation could not be further apart. Give me T. Higgins. That was Firm and quick. Tarek, I think you do feel the other way, though. I do feel the other way, so I'm glad we're able to disagree on uh, a coin toss for the first time in what seems like a long time. Look, I I think it's pretty close as well, but I'm going to err towards DK Metcalf. This is probably the most like physically dominant receiver in the NFL. He commanded a 27.3% target share last year. Yes, obviously those were Russell Wilson targets, but let's also remember that when Geno Smith came in and played, uh, DK Metcalf continued to command a lot of targets. He continued to play really well and score touchdowns. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think it's a fair narrative to say that Tyler Lockett benefited a lot from Russell Wilson, whereas like if you get guys like Drew Locke and Geno Smith in there, they're just going to throw it at that big body. So I expect him to continue to command a bigger target share than T Higgins. And yes, the situation in Cincinnati is much better, but uh, I, I think DK Metcalf is the better talent, even if it's close. And I think he's going to get a better target share. So I'm just going to defer to that. His his bad situation is a good situation. You heard it here first by Tarek. Well, let me ask you this, Tarek. How many more times does Seattle need to throw compared to last year for the target numbers to even out, right? So I'm not even going to argue with you that Metcalf could have a higher target share. I think you're probably right. But we're talking about like a, a pass-first offense in Cincinnati where they're probably going to throw it like 38 times a game or more versus old Pete who's going to establish it. I mean, remember last year the Bengals were actually a, a pretty run forward offense. I mean, I, I I I think it's a little bit of a projection to think that the Bengals are going to for sure be a pass first offense, right? And then obviously with Drew Locke and Geno Smith at the helm, you would expect that the Seahawks, even if they want to run, uh, they're 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 gonna throw just to like stay in games, right? So I think Either way, you can kind of expect maybe the Seahawks to throw a little bit less than the Bengals, but I don't think it's like a given that the Bengals are going to throw so much more that the target share is going to that the difference in target share when with Jamar Chase in one offense and, you know, Tyler Lockett in the other. I don't I don't think it's going to make up for it. So I'll, I'll take the bet here. I'll say Higgins out targets Metcalf straight up. 
All right, sounds good. I believe, aren't we in a league together where you have DK Metcalf and I have T Higgins? I mean, maybe we should talk about yeah. making I that I think swap. you guys I, should sort this out because, yeah. I mean, you guys got real intense off the rip. I love that. Well, like, that's, that's half PPR. That's a different format. <laughs> okay. All right. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome in to the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benshuya, the angriest man in most rooms. And uh, with me today, Trey Cryan and Mitch Yates. We are missing John, who uh, I, I, he's, he's got an electrician coming to his house. And they gave him a five-hour window, and there's about 15 minutes left in that window. Uh, and the electrician has not shown up yet. So, you know, shout out to five-hour windows. But uh, anyway. <laughs> you just can't get c- good customer service these days, am I right? You know they're not coming. You get a five-hour window. You better plan for that sixth hour. <laughs> Mitch, what's going on, man? Oh, it's been a wild day for me as well. I, I woke up and... I, I walked out of my room and my front door was wide open and I have three indoor cats and two of them walked inside from said door. And I mean, this door must have been open all night. So my heart sunk to the bottom of my stomach. I sprinted outside. I started screaming for the little guy. I'm like, bear, where are you? Bear. And I turn around and see him just like straight chilling right next to the door, hiding under a little plant. <laughs> and uh yeah that was probably the most stressful 45 minutes i've lived in a while yeah i've uh I, i've been there man i've i've lost uh you know deer cats for you know a couple of minutes to 30 minutes and it's super stressful so we're glad that all you know all three of your cats are, are back inside um and yeah that would have been a huge loss not only for you but also for tiktok because That's bear right. your cat we have stars a yeah. massive tiktok star Right. That's right. So go look for Mitch on TikTok. Hey, Mitch, what's your TikTok at? Oh, uh, this is embarrassing. I th- <laughs> tune in next week. Okay. Okay. Never mind. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. How about that? <laughs> Who could remember all of their ads and uh, handles? I can't keep track of all this shit, man. Trey, what's going on, man? You know what will help you keep track of all that shit is a nice, cool, refreshing glass of wild <laughs> turkey. <laughs> Now, for for the listeners who may not have noticed, uh, there was a a little sponsorship ad that popped up on Spotify last week uh, next to the episode that we dropped. I guess it was uh, two weeks ago now. And uh, yeah, apparently... That was last week. It was last week. week, Thanks. So apparently, according to Spotify, we are now sponsored by Wild Turkey, unbeknownst to us. So we're just going to turn it into a thing now. So, you know, I'm really hoping Wild Turkey kind of comes out with uh, some benevolence here and not a cease and desist letter because we're just going to roll with it, guys. Yeah, it truly would be an elite sponsor. So, hey, we're in if you're in, guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Let's do it. I mean, we would we would like a check, right? Uh, if you're going to say brought to you by Wild Turkey on Spotify, please, uh, please uh, officially sponsor us. But it doesn't have you, to be a big check. Yeah. If you liked that coin toss, I got about 100 more, too. Honestly, it doesn't even have to be a check. Just like send us bottles. Yeah, like, we're I, all I take whiskey wild fans. Turkey. I'll take a little product or swag. Yeah, Why there not? you go. 
All right. So what are we doing today on the Long Game Dynasty podcast, other than talking about our potential sponsors? Uh, it's going to be a, a divisional preview show. So we're going to start an eight-week series like we did last year, previewing every team and in so doing, trying to talk about, you know, almost every relevant dynasty player at some point. So we'll be going division by division, position group by position group, and just try to touch on which players are over and undervalued, buy and sell targets, you know, what kind of opportunities they have in the offense moving forward. So today, I don't know if y'all can tell on the video chat, I am wearing a Dallas Cowboys shirt. And it's not, I didn't wear it for the show. I actually wore it because it's one of the shirts that I, I just like clean my bathroom in. So I was cleaning my bathroom earlier. So you know, I'm a Cowboys fan, but also I kind of hate the Cowboys, but wearing the shirt. So we're doing NFC East today. We're going to start with the Dallas Cowboys. So let's kick off this first half. How about them? All right. So Dallas Cowboys at quarterback, Dak Prescott, who on keep trade cut is quarterback eight. And last year in 2021, he had a really good season, you know, number nine quarterback in points per game was really excellent from kind of an advanced stats perspective. So he was top 10 in adjusted yards per attempt, deep ball completion, under pressure completion percentage. Like, and you could tell watching the games, like I think it was probably Dak's best season just from a pure passing standpoint. He looked really in control coming back from that injury. So I think he's a pretty locked in top eight quarterback in Dynasty. And I think you can justify him as high as number five. Um, but, you know, the decline in rushing coming off of the ankle injury does worry me a bit. Mitch, what do you think about Dak Prescott as quarterback eight? I think Dak is probably the best value on top end quarterbacks, especially in startups. And what I mean by this is you can potentially land him if you have the last pick in a 12 team startup. Now, now it's probably not going to happen, but it. I think I just saw him go off the board at 11th, so there's a chance at least. And how the mighty have fallen, right? Like, the lack of rushing last year has kind of put him down that notch there. We really saw that week 13 through 15, where his floor was just much lower than it used to be, where he was putting up 12 points, 10 points, and then 8 points in those three games back-to-back-to-back. So uh, I think we look at him through those different lenses because last year when we talked about this, we talked about him being in the top five. And all of a sudden, he's lost that ceiling after what you just called an excellent year. It was kind of a down year in that regard. So uh, I I think he's still a quarterback one. I, I think he's a great value. And I do think he can turn the running back on. But what do you guys think? Yeah, I I think the big difference between what we saw with Dak last year versus previous seasons is we we missed out on the rushing touchdowns. He only had the one rushing touchdown on the year last season where, you know, typically we've seen him be a pretty reliable weapon in the red zone for that offense in the past. So, I would actually expect that to come back. I think the the Cowboys coaching staff is going to realize that yeah, we don't need to give him, you know, 100 rushing opportunities a season. But he's a valuable weapon to, you know, get that ball over the the goal line and when you get down in that uh, area of the field. I, I think at the start of startup drafts, like at the very top of the board, it's it's worthwhile kind of talking about where he shakes out versus some of the other quarterbacks in that range. And the one for me is Deshaun Watson, right? So Deshaun Watson has moved ahead of Dak Prescott mm-hmm. in keep trade cut ranks. He's up to seven and Dak is at eight. 
Uh, I have it flipped. I would much rather have Prescott. I think he's much more of a sure thing with just as much upside in an offense that's going to run a lot more plays than I expect Cleveland is going to run, especially passing plays. So yeah, give me Prescott over Watson straight up uh, in a startup. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I think he's a slight buy, definitely a super strong hold right now. I agree with you. Yeah, earlier in the offseason, I had kind of started playing with should Trey Lance be valued over Dak Prescott? It's close. Right? And it and it wasn't because I think Trey Lance is a better quarterback or just because he was younger. It's because there's unrealized upside to Trey Lance. Like we what we saw from Trey Lance is an amazing fantasy quarterback in, you know, the two games that we saw him play, right? Whereas if Dak Prescott is going to be a lower rushing floor quarterback moving forward, it's worth asking the question, would you prefer Trey Lance or Dak? And I think I was playing with that early in the offseason to where I almost put Trey Lance over Dak. I never did. And now as I kind of settle into, you know, the kind of the the nadir here of the offseason, I'm pretty firm that I prefer Dak in every situation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely over Trey Lance. I, I'm a believer that the running's coming back. And if it doesn't happen next year, then I'm then I'm going to start to be skeptical of it happening in the future. But let's at least give him a year after that major leg injury. Yeah. And, and I mean, I slight disagreement there. I, I know I'm repeating myself, but I don't think he's going to get 50 rushing yards a game or more than that. But I do think you're going to yeah. see more more rushing attempts in the red zone. For Prescott. Sure. Yeah. He, he was kind of a lock for like six touchdowns per year uh, before this past year coming off that injury. Trey, a uh, quick question. Is Cooper Rush worth rostering in a super flex league? Probably not. Not a whole lot of upside there. Yeah. Um, he played admirably in that one game. Get but, the uh, fuck yeah. Out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the wide receivers. So. You know, this is a th- this room lost Omari Cooper, but it does have CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Jalen Tolbert as kind of the top three guys, according to Keep Trade Cut. I think James Washington is probably ahead of Tolbert on the depth chart for now, but I don't think that's long. So for CeeDee Lamb, he's currently wide receiver three on Keep Trade Cut. And there was a moment kind of after the poor playoff performance against the 49ers that he dipped down. Uh, to about wide receiver 10 or 11. And, you know, he creeped back up, especially after Cooper left, because he's he's just got such an amazing opportunity there. But he has not taken the alpha target share yet, which I think makes many skeptical that he will ultimately be able to get there, right? Um, I I see that a lot on Twitter. Like, you know, he's a 20% target share guy. That's what we should expect out of him, right? Uh, so, you know, Michael Gallup, he's likely going to start the year on the pup, but he got paid keep trade cut wide receiver 47. And then Jalen Tolbert, third round pick out of South Alabama. He's been comp to Adam Thielen. I hear that on uh, Matt Kelly's show a lot just because he's a small school guy who is productive and he's athletic enough. So Tolbert rookie, he's wide receiver 58 on keep trade cut. Trey, talk to me about how you're evaluating this wide receiver room in Dallas. Yeah, this is a fun wide receiver room, especially now that it's wide open with uh, Cooper uh, heading off to Cleveland. So let's start with CeeDee Lamb. At at wide receiver three right now, he is absolutely priced at his ceiling, right? Because none of us, I think, are going to project him to overtake Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson this year unless things go 
like incredibly off the rails in either of those uh, teams. But the reason Lamb dipped down to wide receiver 10 earlier in the offseason, as you mentioned, he was only able to put up a 24.7 target per route run uh, last season, which ranked 32 overall in the league. So outside the top 24 receivers, not very good at all. Uh, He's going to have to improve his target share to justify a wide receiver three overall rank. But the thing is, is I think he probably will, you know? Yeah. And he doesn't have to be like a 30% guy in this offense with the volume that they're going to, uh, you know, do. (laughs) I think he can get by at 25% with, you know, some decent touchdown rate. Yep. Uh, So I think he's a strong hold for me at this value. I don't think I would be, you know, trying to sell CeeDee Lamb uh, at this price. Now, Looking at the other guys on this roster, I'm not that high on Gallup. I think he's kind of maxed out at a 22% target share, uh, which was his 2019 number, uh, and which he has not come close to since then. So I kind of look at him as a sell. There's other guys in that range for both contenders and rebuilders who I like more, Uh, but I'm pretty high on Tolbert. I think this is a great prospect. You're getting him at, at early third round rookie prices right now. And yeah, he was a beast in the Sunbelt. He won Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year honors last year. So uh, I'm buying Tolbert and I'm selling Gallup uh, if I get the chance. I agree with those last two points. Definitely buying Tolbert, selling uh, Gallup. But CD, I I think it's a little strange to me that you can say that he's at his absolute ceiling, but you don't want to trade him for maximum value there. So I think if he's at his ceiling and you can get the most for him right now, you might as well pull the trigger on that. Um, it, it just seems to me like the the better move if you don't think he's going to take that step because we have wide receiver three on keep trade cut, but he's got to do better than a wide receiver 19 finish, especially this year, uh, like he did last year. So, Well, that's fair. And if you want to like flip him for somebody in that tier, somebody like Cooper Cup, and you're able to get, you know, fair value in that exchange, then yeah, I mean, obviously Cup is going to present more value to somebody who's actively contending this year than Lamb will potentially. But I mean, obviously you're missing out on, you know, six or seven extra years of production when you make that move. Yeah. So what, I mean, what's the party line with the receiver ranks here? It's that, like Trey said, you got Chase and Jefferson at the top. And then a massive, right. massive tear break. It's like Chase and Jefferson are on another planet right now than than the rest, mm-hmm. right? And then wide receiver three to about fifteen, which you know we've talked about, you know, in recent shows. That's a big tier there. Um, you know, I don't think keep trade cut has guys like Drake London and Traylon Burks in that tier. Uh, I don't think any of us agree with that. But at the same time, like there's. There's a lot of players in there that if you want to pivot off of CD Lamb, you know, to a Cowboys fan, and there's a lot of us out there, uh, and you want to get a little bit extra on top, you can do that, right? Um, CD Lamb is my wide receiver four. I still have AJ Brown ahead of him, but again, he's like in a big tier um, with you know DK Metcalf and T Higgins and and Jalen Waddle and like these are all players that I'm fine with you pivoting off of CD Lamb even if I have him ranked ahead of most of them. Yeah, I guess to me though if he's at the top of the tier and you can profit off of somebody that you have right there with CD Lamb like yeah. for example in in my rankings I know we just talked about T Higgins but I have T Higgins one spot above and somebody might have T Higgins down at like 10 when they have Lamb at five and might be willing to actually pay to close that gap in their own mind. So 
that's where I'm at with the sell. Like, I'm a hold. I'm with you, Trey. Like, I'm a hold. If you can't, then well, yeah, hang on to them. Well, here's a, here's a here's a data point for the listeners, right? And it involves all four of us, right? Because in the startup that we're doing right now, a 14 team startup, Mitch and Trey are co-managing a team. Me and John are co-managing a team. Y'all drafted drafted CD Lamb a couple picks ahead of our pick. You traded us the pick that was CD Lamb, and then got about a round upgrade in like the twelfth to the eleventh round or something like that, right? So it wasn't it wasn't a huge deal or anything. But me and John felt like okay, we like CD Lamb enough over the guy we draft there, which would would have been T Higgins, to where we'll we'll take you know a twelve spot discount or a fifteen spot discount kind of in the you know pick one hundred forty or something like that of a startup. So that's just like a data point for the listeners. If you aren't big believers in CD Lamb like me and John are, this is something that you can do to get a little bit of profit. All right. Okay. So uh James Washington, Noah Brown, Dontario Drummond, these are deeper guys. I, I think they're pretty much all trash, right? Uh, you, you know, you yeah, can drop them if you bloggers. want. Yeah, I think James Washington as the kind of de facto wide receiver three there, if you can throw him into a trade and, and get something done, I think that'd be good. One thing I want to clarify, when we're saying roster cloggers, I, I think we're saying that as like a 12-team standard league. I know we're dabbling yeah. in these deeper 14-team leagues and things like that. So I that's where I'll see the value of a, of a Washington there. But in a 12-team league, no, nah, get him off your roster. Okay. All right, let's move on to the running backs. So Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. And this is kind of topical because Bill Barnwell, really great writer over at ESPN, he wrote a piece that put a lot of numbers and advanced stats to the idea that Pollard is simply a better and more effective running back than the $90 million man, Ezekiel Elliott. And I think this is this has been a narrative that people have been telling for at least like a calendar year since Tony Pollard really popped off in 2020 against the 49ers. Zeke, he was running back 15 on a points per game basis in 2021, just eclipsed 1,000 yards rushing, had a little over 300 yards receiving. Pollard, on the other hand, averaged nearly a yard and a half more per carry on his touches. So, like, where do we value Zeke at this point, who on keep trade cut is running back 25? And Pollard, running back 28 on keep trade cut, does he deserve to be considered more than a high value handcuff and that keep trade cut ranking i think would indicate that he does yeah it's such an ugly debate the zeke pollard like it's it's almost coin toss worthy because look when you're that close in the ranks you know there's like a 50 50 split in the dynasty community uh unfortunately here at tlg we all have zeke ranked higher than pollard but not all of us have the same gap between the two as mm -hmm. wide as i do but um i'm a zeke I, I guess fan in this argument Apologist. here. Apologist. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but I'm not going to try and justify Zeke's inefficiency last year versus Pollard. Uh, at the end of the day, Zeke was a running back one for the sixth year in a row, and Pollard was his backup. And Zeke was the guy getting paid to lead the team in carries, and I expect them to keep doing that until the wheels fall off. And that's the $90 million question, right? Like, uh, with Zeke, he... He definitely feels like that 100,000-mile warranty is long expired, and it's time to get <laughs> rid of him, right? But, like, there's a reason he's been a running back one for those six years, and uh, it, it's because he's annoyingly tough, right? 
And uh, he plays through injuries and plays inefficiently, and he's going to get the carries, whether it's the Cowboys sinking that sunk cost fallacy or what. So if I'm going to start up and I'm going zero RB and Zeke falls like a rock, that's that's where I'm looking at Zeke's value here uh, because he's a great pick, pick there, even if he's a one-year rental. As where if I'm taking Pollard, like, I, I don't really... I don't know. That's still the question, right? Like, even if Pollard starts to eat into Zeke's carries this year and uh, Zeke, like, falls off a cliff, like, who's to say that the Cowboys don't just take Zeke's replacement next year and Pollard just hangs out as that complimentary back? Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think it, they're both going to return value at times this season, so I don't really have a super strong take here. This is just a committee, you know? And you've got one guy who's probably going to lead the way in carries another guy is probably going to lead the way in targets and you, you they really need one of the guys to miss time with injury for the other one to really return you know rb1 production this year so i wouldn't say that either of them are really like strong buys or really strong sells of this value i'm so i'm just give me the middle hold i think like this value is actually uh, pretty accurate right here uh, I'm actually a, a decently strong sell on pollard at running back 28 uh, I have him about, you know, five to 10 spots below that, you know, keep trade cut consensus there. And it's, not, I think Pollard is better than Ezekiel Elliott, like at this point in their careers, like, and maybe that should be more reflected in my ranks. I am so dug in on assuming irrational coaching in <laughs> Dallas and sunk cost fallacy of that $90 million contract they gave him that I just, I don't expect Pollard to ever really be given the keys and because of that, he's just weighted down in my rankings. Not that I don't think he can't return value. It's that like my rankings are kind of signaling. I'm just I'm not interested at cost. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I priced out as hell for Pollard. I'm at running back 39 with him. And it's it's not that I don't like him either. I, I I'm with you. I think that the Cowboys just won't give him the keys. I, I don't think that it's they, they can't. They just won't. Well, so what's the difference in this situation versus other like high profile committees that are out there in the league? Like last year, it would have been Chubb and Hunt in Cleveland. And then this year, you can look at AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones in Green Bay. I mean, why like fade Pollard, but you know, not necessarily like the number two guy like Hunt or AJ Dillon in those other situations? Well, I do fade Hunt usually in, in relation to consensus. With Dylan, I think it's a little bit different because I think it's like going to be a true 50-50 split there with the potential for Dylan kind of being their next guy. Like I think they're invested in him kind of event going from what he was last year to this year being 50-50. And I can see the trajectory going like 60-40 and then, you know, Aaron Jones eventually aging out, right? Yeah. So I, I just think situation to situation, it's a little different. And maybe it's just... I, I'm I'm negatively biased against the Cowboys coaching staff, but you know I, I'm thinking this Dallas situation is going to be a little bit more of a 50-50 split. I think it's going to be you know closer okay. to that than what you're projecting. Okay, all right, we need to move a little bit faster, so we're going to move on from that discussion. Talk about the tight end room in Dallas. So Dalton Infinity Schultz, I think John gave him that nickname. <laughs> uh, he he got the franchise tag after having a top five tight end season. Uh, in points per game. You know, he's a reliable target over the middle, former fourth round pick out of Stanford. His athletic profile had many, including myself and Trey, kind of skeptical of his long-term viability. 
And despite that, you know, as we were saying that in the middle of last season, he just kept producing and producing and down the stretch, especially. So what are we doing with Schultz here at keep trade cut tight end nine? Yeah. So just looking at his projections on the year, he's, he's projected to score a lot of points. Like, uh, according to fantasy pros, they're putting a 77 catch 761 yard and six touchdown season in the projections for Schultz right now. So I think that means he's probably going to return value at that tight end nine price, especially in a tight end premium league. I was really down on Schultz when he was kind of breaking out last season, but looking at where he's positioned right now, I think it's very possible he's the number two pass catcher in that option Mm -hmm. over a guy like Michael Gallup. I think Schultz should be going ahead of Gallup in startups, especially in tight end premium leagues, which, you know, we're seeing uh, based on market trends. So I I think he's a, a hold at this price. And Jake Ferguson's a guy I'm not really going to bet on. OK, yeah. I mean, Jake Ferguson, that's a guy I wanted to flag Ooh. fourth round pick out of Wisconsin. He's a blocker. I mean, like he's going to be a blocking tight end. But look, like fourth round guy with not great athleticism. This is the Dalton Schultz prototype, right? So, I mean, they they reached on him in the fourth round, and sometimes that stuff works out. I'm not saying you need... I'm saying you could taxi him if you believe that narrative. I have not taxied him in any of my leagues, no. so... I almost just threw something across the room. <laughs> All right, so I, I think we're, we're pretty much in agreement on Dalton Schultz as a hold there. All right, let's move on to the next team here, the Washington football team uh, i guess we have to call them the commies now or commanders yeah but the, the washington communists yeah yeah we'll stick with communists and the the commander of commanders here carson wentz uh keep trade cut qb 31 he had 15.6 points per game last year in indianapolis and that was good for number 18 quarterback and you know he was a middling option at qb2 so he's traded in March to the uh, the commies in a deal that netted Indy a third round pick in 2022 and a conditional third in 2023. So, Mitch, do you think he's actually a value at quarterback 31 on keep trade cut? I can't believe you're tossing me the Carson Wentz question, man. Carson Wentz <laughs> is wet butt cheeks, but he's the commies wet butt cheeks now. And I think the problem for people like me is drawing the line between being ass in real life and actually not that bad in fantasy. So Carson Wentz, for as long as his legs are fully functional, is going to be the starting quarterback this season for the commies. And he's down all the way to 31 on keep trade cut. That that doesn't seem it doesn't seem right to me. And I'm the low guy low. on the pod. I have him at quarterback 30, and John is the the wild man brought to you by Wild Turkey. Uh, <laughs> with Wentz all the what. <laughs> All the way up to uh, quarterback 20. And so since John's not here, I'm going to speak for him. Uh, I think that's stupid. But if uh, we were doing a redraft podcast, then potentially I could see what he's doing there, right? Like I could see I could see Wentz going up there uh, if, if you're taking a flyer on a one-year thing. So I, I think it's too low even for a guy like Carson Wentz, man. Yeah, that's all there is to it. It's it's just mispriced. He's uh, he's a buy right now, and he's going to return value at that price. I can't believe I am hearing Trey and Mitch say that Carson Wentz is a buy right it is now. Is what it is, man. I mean, yeah. Look, and you know, I think it's worth mentioning because Mitch talked about ass in real life versus ass in fantasy. It's like there is a conversation to be had 
when you look at some of Carson Wentz's metrics from last year in terms of QBR, that he actually wasn't that bad. And he just like shit away the game against Jacksonville and that colors our perception, right? So I want to throw that out there, right? There is that narrative or there is that argument to be made. But I think ultimately, yeah, I agree with you guys. Like QB 31, like this is another sunk cost fallacy here. Like by all accounts, the commies overpaid for Carson Wentz. They're going to be pot committed to him for at least this year, at least until he poisons the well there like he has at the last two teams. So we'll see. All right. Uh, the the other two quarterbacks on the roster, you got Sam Howell, the fifth round pick rookie out of North Carolina. And, you know, he's going to be the second highest valued quarterback on the on the communist team. But I would expect Taylor Heineke to actually be the backup in Washington. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that's when you talk about Howell and you you talk about drafting Howell in the third round of your, you know, super flex rookie drafts. I think you have to go into it knowing that for at least this first year, you got to expect Taylor Heineke's the actual backup to Carson Wentz. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, I'm good on both of those dudes. Uh, Taylor Heineke showed at times that he can be viable. And with that in mind, to drop him with confidence, like there's there's no need to hang on to him. Yeah, I, I think that's right. It's like he he had some flashes, but he's just a backup quarterback and that's it. Right. OK, wide receiver position here in Washington. So Terry McLaurin is wide receiver 21 on keep trade cut. Scary Terry only able to manage 12.6 points per game last year. That was good for wide receiver 29 in a 2021 offense that just struggled to pass and score points with the aforementioned Taylor Heineke on the field. Uh, and Kyle Allen at times. So Carson Wentz should be an upgrade over Heineke, right? But at the same time, you got Scary Terry turning 27 in September, and he just hasn't put up that wide receiver one season that I think we still think he's capable of, but it's it's escaping with every passing year like that viability. Trey, what do you think about Terry McLaurin? Yeah, so I'm going to point out a couple things about Scary Terry, just looking at his player profiler page. So first off, Number two overall last year in air yard share. That's really strong. Number three overall in unrealized air yards, which means there's a ton, a ton of opportunity that was left out there on the field because of probably bad quarterback play. And then on top of that, he only scored touchdowns on 4% of his targets. So we would expect uh, just an average receiver to get 5% or better, right? So there's touchdown regression. There's unrealized air yards. There's all of this working in his favor. There's strong reason to believe he will perform better than last year this year but even saying all of that i don't know if it's going to be enough to overcome the situation and to really you know be a strong enough play over a replacement level to where he's like value at wide receiver 21 even with all of that baked into my projections i have him shaking out at wide receiver 20 or 21 so i'm right in line with the market here yeah, market seems sound here. I remember watching what you described, and it was Heineke just YOLO ball and just throwing it up to him in the end zone into like triple coverage, and and he made some fantastic, unreal catches there. Right, but uh, there were also unrealistic expectations for him to catch some of those balls. So you're spot on there, and it's just it's hard to see the ship writing, and the the age thing, the old first contract thing it's just 
I, I keep getting more and more reasons to try to just profit while I can, even if it's just a, a minimal or a, a fair trade. I think I'm looking to get out of my Terry shares. I'm on the opposite side. I'm buying. So so you're you're hearing all those things I said, all those reasons to like Scary Terry and you're you're buying into uh, him and the uh, the Carson Wentz offense. Yeah, look, I do think that Carson Wentz is an upgrade over Taylor Heineke, right? Like, I, I do think that is a true statement. Sure. So I think that his unrealized air yards will come down. I think that he's going to still command around a 25% target share, even with Jahan Dotson coming in. So, And I think he is among the top 10 to 15 most talented receivers in the league. And at times, you can make an even more bull case to him just on pure talent, right? Um, and what he does in reception perception, right? What he, how he grades in PFF b- backs that up, right? Backs up that eye test. Um, so I, I just think like wide receiver 21, that is his floor, right? And I think he's got a lot of unrealized ceilings still, right? That's where he's produced over the first few years of his, of his career. But the cool thing is, is you don't have to pay wide receiver one numbers, but you still have wide receiver one upside in there. So I'm definitely buying at cost. And I just drafted him uh, in the early fifth round of that 14 team Superflex league after a trade. So uh, I- I'm a believer uh, and and I've risen on him in the last couple of months. I Yeah, I guess I've been overexposed on my Terry McLaurin shares. And I think maybe that has something to do with my perspective here where I I just, I don't know. I think that wide receiver one potential is very fleeting at this point because I agree with you, the talent is there. But, I mean, sometimes this happens to great players. Sometimes they just get buried by the situation and you hate to see it. Well, we'll see. Okay, so let's move on to other players in this situation. So we got Jahan Dotson, who was the first round pick out of Penn State. Currently wide receiver 39 on keep trade cut. Uh, decent production in the Big Ten, stuck around for his senior year. I think if, you know, I think he would have endeared himself to a lot more people if he were an early declare. And I think he was probably good enough to be an early declare. But does this mean that we should expect rookie year production coming in as a, a, a senior? Yeah. So getting up to wide receiver 39 on a keep trade cut, that kind of signals sell to me. Uh, we're talking about a guy who, you know, Yes, he did stick around for his senior year. And I've on this pod, I've excused that for guys like Chris Olave. The big difference between Dotson and Olave is Dotson never had the elite production in the Big Ten that Olave did as a as a junior. He was, you know, one of the most concentrated receivers uh in the entire NCAA. And, and Dotson never really uh you know came close to that mark. So yeah, I think he's a talented guy. I think he'll be better in real life than he will for your fantasy team. And this is also just about narrowing my strike zone here, right? Like I don't have to take bets on these guys who are, you know, seniors if I don't really believe in the talent. So I'd rather sell and maybe try to package him with like a future second rounder for like a future first rounder or something like that. Yeah, I I, I can deal with that too. I, you know, there is a path to volume for him, though. Like, the the wide receiver room there isn't very busy right now. They still have Gandy Golden, Cam Sims, and just, I don't know, De'Ami Brown, or I, I, guys that I don't think that are going to fight Dotson for time. I, I think Dotson's going to be the two guy there. And Samuel, I mean, we'll see. 
we'll see if he can get it together and stay healthy, but he plays a different role anyway. So yeah, Curtis Samuel is the, is the other guy there I wanted to just touch on before we moved on. So he's wide receiver 82 on keep trade cut. You know, he was injured all last year. They paid him a lot of money. He knows Ron Rivera, right? So I think you could make an argument for a bounce back year uh, for Curtis Samuel. Um, But I mean, I I know this is kind of one of John's guys, uh, at least formerly. I really used to be into Curtis Samuel. I'm I'm kind of out at this point. But Trey, what do you think about Curtis Samuel? Yeah, I I, I came around on him over, you know, last offseason when he got this opportunity in Washington because he was going to be like the number two guy. And then, you know, the injury happened and he missed the whole year. And I think I'm back out on him. You know, I think there's enough name equity there where you can cash out and get something for Curtis Samuel. And I would rather just have that future draft pick and have that liquidity than have this guy on the bottom of my bench. All right, fair enough. Let's move on to the running back, which is now a very busy situation. At the top of the room is Antonio Gibson. Keep trade cut, got him at running back 19. So he's fallen quite a bit. Looks like he will be stuck in a committee, the commie committee, uh, (laughs) this year after the commies re-signed J.D. McKissick, uh, after he kind of did the uh, pump fake toward the Bills. And then they drafted Brian Robinson in the third round, uh, the super senior from Alabama. So Gibson had a somewhat disappointing 2021 versus expectation, 258 rush attempts for 1,037 yards, as well as 42 receptions, also scored 10 total touchdowns. He was number 17 in points per game at 14.3, which is kind of what he averaged as a rookie in 2020. Um, So didn't necessarily take the step forward that we were hoping for. Trey, should we buy or sell Antonio Gibson? Yeah, I'm I'm selling. This is just the writings on the wall here. You know, I I know we we need to fade coach speak and especially this time of year. But we have seen through the actions of this team, through them re-signing J.D. McKissick, you know, not letting him get away to the bills by drafting Brian Robinson in the third round. They do not want to consolidate volume around Antonio Gibson. They want this to be a committee backfield, you know, earth, wind and fire, whatever you want to call it. Like, (laughs) I'm not, I don't want to make that bet. I think for what you have to pay for Gibson, the opportunity cost is too high. The dream is dead. I'm I'm moving on and, and play some bets elsewhere. It makes me very sad to, I think I brought this up last week at at halftime, a guy that I'm pricing myself out of was Antonio Gibson, because this, this hurts, man. He's such a good talent and you just hate to see how much the commies hate him. Like there, they have established that this is the committee. And, uh, you know, if there are some people out there still looking for Gibson, I don't know where they are because I've knocked on everybody's doors in my leagues and, that kind of tells me, like, he's kind of a hold because I'm not going to take value. Like, I'm not going to take a huge value hit right now. You're saying now. you don't want to sell low. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to sell too low. We watched him fall like crazy, too, in our startup. So, yeah, like, 70, uh, 79th overall is where he went in our 14 team startup. I feel like. If that's how low he is, I would honestly rather just hang on tight, wait for week one, two, and three, and see where we are, because that's that's not enough value for me to sell. That makes sense. You know, uh, with Gibson, I think what the, the commies believe is that he's like 
still learning the position essentially right like because i believe i believe you that he is a great talent and i think he's incredibly explosive but i've also heard from film guys like chris harris that he kind of doesn't always know what he's doing in the middle of the (laughs) offensive line and i don't think that's necessarily his fault like this is a guy that played wide receiver in college right so this he's brand new to the position and i and he's always hurt so i think the, the the Washington football team, they just decided, all right, we're, we're going to bring these other guys in and we're going to platoon it like the modern NFL. So would you say the commies are just treating everybody equally? Yeah, exactly. It's just equitable there in Washington. I mean, 14.4, 14.3 points per game over his first two seasons. It, give me the under, you know, I don't see him like improving on that with the competition they brought in. Now, going to that competition uh, I do like Brian Robinson. You know, I, I know you guys Great. aren't on the same wavelength there as I am, but this is a guy who pro- proved himself at, you know, the top program in the country at Alabama. Yeah, I know they lost to Georgia in the national championship, whatever, but um, they take him in the third round for a reason, right? This is somebody that they trust with the ball in his hands. He can come in, he can be competent right away. Uh, when Gibson misses time with injury, which is what he's done over the last two years, I think he's going to step in and fill uh, those shoes pretty nicely. So at running back 45, I think that's pretty strong value. JD McKissick, though, that's somebody I'm trying to get out of or probably just fading entirely. I'm kind of moving away from satellite backs just philosophically. I'm I'm looking for more upside on guys that can be more, you know, reliable contributors in offense versus just the part-timers. Yeah, those satellite backs, I'm kind of erring towards them in best ball and staying away from them in dynasty. Uh, can we, can we call him brain, wind and fire? Then I'm back on board for brain Robinson. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Brain, wind and fire. That, that makes some kind of sense. Yeah. Why not? I I mean, look, I, I am not huge on Brian Robinson, but I also have drafted him several times in the last few weeks in rookie drafts just because the value is there. So I agree with you, Trey. All right, let's close out the Washington commies with the tight end room. Logan Thomas, tight end 31. Seems like free money to me. What do you think, Mitch? Like, I feel like when he's playing, he plays really well, really reliable tight end, especially in tight end premium. What do you think at tight end 31? I I guess. I mean, Logan Thomas is a guy we haven't talked about in a while. And look, he played fantasy football for the first time in 2020. Like, that was it. He had one tight end three finish. He had one good season and, and years of shit. So, like... I mean, he got hurt. He he looked good in that one year, but I, the thing is that the the reason that he's still cool at tight end thirty is because there's nobody behind him. Like John Bates, who, uh, like yeah. I I might just kind of stay away from this tight end room too. But the value seems okay there. I don't know. Like if he's hanging out and uh, in a startup, sure. But I'm not going to advocate going out and buying this guy. Yeah, not to do too much helmet scouting here, but we were chasing after the uh, Carolina tight end for a long time when Ron Riviera was there. And, you know, there were some good times with Greg Olson and then never really happened again after that. I think at Logan Thomas's age, you're banking on him being significantly better than replacement if you're having him in your starting lineup. And I'm not I'm not betting on that. So I'd, I'd pass on Logan Thomas. Fair enough. Mike check. It is halftime. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. All right, guys. Like I said earlier, the nader 
of the offseason right now. It is it is slow. So around this time, I kind of like to think about ways to improve my leagues, you know, so possible rule changes, added events, little wrinkles in the league. Uh, so, you know, I, I think I want to take this opportunity to each give a way that you could improve your dynasty league or make it more fun. Trey, let's start with you. All right. So I'm going to suggest a scoring change here. I just think quarterbacks uh, scoring is kind of screwed up and and really most leagues ought to be thinking about moving to six point passing touchdown at this point. You know, especially if you've got a PPR tight end premium super flex format, which is kind of the standard in dynasty leagues now. I just think six point passing touchdowns just better reflects the value of the quarterback position. You know, just cl- it's closer to reality that way. And it kind of also tampers that Konami cheat code that we always talk about that that is com- or generated by the rushing production, right? So, you know, we all love Jalen Hurts as a young player, but we don't necessarily think he's top five in the NFL as a quarterback, right? But we know for fantasy, he ends up in that top five for projections when you're giving him that four-point pass, uh, passing touchdown uh, scoring. Now, it's a little bit more even. It, he comes down to like quarterback seven, in six point passing touchdowns, but still, you know, he's going to be really good either way. I just, I just think it's a little bit more reflective of what the actual NFL game looks like. I really agree with that. And I don't think I am in any six point passing touchdown leagues. Uh, so I might have to float that uh, to some of my leagues. I, I think I agree with you and I always have. I just, it hasn't been something I've really thought of. Well, you know how much our leagues love change. So I'm sure they'll be <laughs> right about that. All right, Mitch, what what are you changing? Well, you know me, and I love me some chaos. So instead of changing a rule, I just want to remove one, and that is the trade deadline. Get rid of it. Eliminate it. Uh, The one thing I think you should be rewarded for in Dynasty is actively playing, and this means even when your team meets its likely demise, there's still something to play for. So if somebody wants to sacrifice everything to win in the finals, who are you to tell them they can't? And uh, theoretically, this should make for more league parity. And uh, yeah, I I think that's great. Uh, Tarek and I are co-managing a team in a league, and that is my first league without a trade deadline. And uh, I I just thought the playoffs were much more interesting, kind of looking over your shoulder like, oh, shit, is my opponent just going to pay up real quick? And uh, because like we're projected to win, but I could wake up in the morning and we might not be and then we might have to make a move. And uh, I, it just it it keeps the, the the bad teams in play to get good players and turn things around quickly. I love it. I want to see more of it. Yeah, and Mitch, that league that you're talking about that you and uh, Tarek co-manage that actually is a six point uh, passing touchdown league as well. So oh, okay. uh, yeah, y- you guys are. Uh, in- shout out to the breakout boys. I am. We are in one. And I, oh yeah, that league also has like a f- negative four for interceptions. I think I so. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, they. They, they juiced it up. Shout out to the breakout. All right. My uh, rule change. It's it's kind of a little bit more, a little bit maybe less practical than the two that y'all uh, propose, but institute a draft lottery in your league for non-playoff teams. And this is mostly just like a fun thing. And our longest running dynasty league that we all plan together, we do a lottery for the six non-playoff teams. And, you know, it was originally to de-incentivize tanking or at least like encourage responsible tanking, i.e. rebuilding. 
But I think the best part about having the lottery is it just adds another event for the offseason, which is long and boring, right? You can live stream it or you can get together with some of your league mates to draw the names. I think it just adds a layer of excitement and disappointment, you know, whether you go up in the lottery or you're like the Knicks and you're always going down. Right. So I am a big fan. It's my only league that has one. And I think it should be more popular. Agreed, man. It benefited me well this year. (laughs) All right. Let's kick off this second half. We're going to be talking about the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles, starting with the Giants at quarterback. Daniel Jones is quarterback 28 on keep trade cut. The Giants offense was one of the worst in the NFL last year under Jason Garrett at OC. Danny Dimes missed the last six games of the year with a neck strain, but he finished okay for fantasy in terms of points per game with 15.9. That was number 17, and that's not terrible given how bad the offense was overall. So, Trey, do you think there's any value in Danny Dimes going into his fourth year as a pro, especially now that they've got uh, Brian Dayball, the former Buffalo offensive coordinator, as the new head coach? Yeah, so I've got Mr. Dimes a few spots ahead of market here. I've got him at 25 uh, versus 28 on keep trade cut. So obviously the big question mark with him is does he lose his starting job after this year, which is definitely possible, right? Like he hasn't really proven that he belongs as a starter over the first three seasons, but I'm willing to, you know, take the risk. And I'll say like, as a former sixth overall pick, like he probably will get a starting job, whether it's, you know, with New York or somewhere else after this season. And with his rushing ability, I think he can improve on, QB 17 in points per game where he hit last year. So I think that entire offense is going to improve marginally. So I'd say Danny Dimes is probably a slight buy at this price. I've I've got him over a guy like Davis Mills, which I know is like very contrary to the market there. and, And some of you guys are a lot higher on, but I just think Dimes has more upside for this season with his rushing ability. I I'm into that. I got, I got dimes at 28, which is market. So I, I, I like the upside here. I like that he can run. And uh, there was a brief point last year where he was actually a viable part of one of my Superflex teams. So it's on the table for him to be a starting asset on your on your team. And with that said, they're giving him more to work with. We have a another year, or uh, I'm sorry, we have a year of a healthy Saquon coming into the season to take right. a little bit of that pressure off. And uh, let's not forget that that wide receiver room isn't bad, so it's reasonable to expect that he could actually help out in in fantasy. So 28 it seems like a buy. Seems like a good good range for our guy here. Yeah, Trey, I'm in lockstep with you. I got him at quarterback 25, one step or one rank ahead of Davis Mills. So I I agree. I'm glad we're all in agreement here. Beautiful. All right. So uh, let's talk about that wide receiver room. And yeah, Mitch, I don't disagree with you. I don't think it's bad. What it is, is weird, right? You've got Mm -hmm. Kadarius Toney, the, the, the bane of the 2021 class that everybody trashed Dave Gettleman for picking in the first round. He's got the trade rumors circulating, which I've seen is like real, but then I've seen it was completely made up, right? So who knows what's actually real? He posted a top 10 target rate as a rookie at 28.9%, which is extremely strong. Really good targets per route run, number seven in the league. 
but he only ran 197 routes. So bit of a small sample size due to a variety of medical issues, which caused him to miss time, including shoulder, an oblique injury, a quad injury. He was just kind of in and out of the lineup. And then you got Wandell Robinson, which is the second round pick from this year. Uh, Trey likes to call him the short king. Drafted in the second round, really strong production profile out of Nebraska and Kentucky. And then you've got some other guys like Kenny Galladay and Sterling Shepard. But Trey, let's start with Tony and Robinson. What are you thinking about these players? Tony, wide receiver 49 on keep trade cut. Wandale, wide receiver 58. Yeah, Kadarius Tony is a huge wild card. There's just a enormous range of outcomes here with him, you know, based on what he showed as a rookie, that top. 10 or I guess top, you know, seven overall targets per route run. Like that is extremely encouraging. Unfortunately, over a relatively small sample size, like, you know, there's a question of like, how much faith can we put in that? So you're, you're getting a discount on him right now with the trade rumors, but I would probably say there are safer bets out there for guys in that range. Like I kind of like Brandon cooks, you know, again, like perennially undervalued or a guy like David Bell, uh, who kind of slipped in this year's draft because of his uh, athleticism or lack thereof. I really like Wandale Robinson though, man. I'm I'm buying Wandale, especially at these prices. Like he got the early second round draft capital. He's going in the mid second or much, much later in your rookie drafts right now. I definitely think he's going to return value at this price. He had a fantastic production profile coming out of the SEC his uh, junior year at Kentucky there. So for Tony, I don't know if I'm selling, but I, I okay, I'll sell. I'll, I'll place bets elsewhere. But for Robinson, I think I'm buying in. Yeah, uh, not I, sir. But <laughs> Kenny G, that's an interesting one for me. I guess the way, let me back up for a second, because the way that you describe this this group is is interesting, Tarek. I, I think it's weird, right? It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the way I see it is that it's plentiful, right? Like, I don't really see any of these guys becoming like the guy but i think that it's uh kind of like a they're all around the same like skill set opportunity share kind of situation and we might just see one big committee of wide receivers because kenny g like you know like you said he fell flat on his face but he also has a uh top five wide receiver season under his belt and uh sterling shepherd for what it's worth was pretty good last year for a little bit before uh he got hurt so I, all of these guys are going to have roles, and I don't think I want a part in any of it. I, I think that the guys that are more attractive to me because of this wide receiver group are Saquon and um, Daniel Jones. I am weirdly excited about Kenny Galladay at his value of wide receiver 74, and I'm looking at the draft board for our current startup, our 14-team startup, and he went at pick 14, round 14, pick 10. So this is like, you know, well into the draft, right? And I think he, I think he was extremely injured last year. I think Jason Garrett is horrible, right? And I think Kenny Galladay is a really good player, right? So I, th- I, I think there's, there's a path to him returning pretty decent value, like at least wide receiver three value here at wide receiver 74 overall. So he went at pit 1410 in our startup. I was actually trying a little bit to trade up to pick him. 
uh, there. So it, w- very low stakes trade. But yeah, I, I like his value. This guy was in our like top 20 wide receivers like not too, too long ago. Yeah. When we were doing the NFC East preview last year, we were all, you know, reasonably in on him as a top 20 receiver in Dynasty. Right. We so. expected him to bounce back and like he just got hurt again. I mean, we still liked his size and skill set and he performed well with nothing in Detroit. So I I don't think it's fair to just stick a fork in him. I think 74 is the biggest buy that I see. But I, like I said, I'm not willing to place a bet on any of these dudes right now. I just don't see a lot of ceiling there, guys, because like even when he was putting up a top five season, I don't think he cleared like a 20 percent target share in that offense. I think he just benefited from a good quarterback, uh, you know, Matt Stafford, who we know is good because we just saw him win a Super Bowl as soon as he left Detroit. And, you know, I don't see this being like a situation where Danny Dimes and this offense is going to be scoring enough touchdowns to like put Kenny G back in the top 10. So. Yeah, I maybe he returns value on, you know, wide receiver 74, but I just don't see a lot of ceiling. I'd rather place bets elsewhere. He was a 20 to 22 percent target share uh, back in his best season. So, you know, it, it yes, Matt Stafford is very different from Daniel Jones. But again, this is, you know, at, at the bottom of the barrel here. Uh, quick on Sterling Shepard. I am a longtime Sterling Shepard truther, and uh, I've been dropping him uh, recently. <laughs> so. That's that's what I think about Shepard at this point. Let's move on to the running back. So we got Saquon Barkley, former number two overall pick in the 2018 draft, running back 15 on keep trade cut. Whoa. You know, Sa- Saquon was not his old self last year, but I think he did show flashes. He finished with only 11.4 points per game, which was running back 27. And he only played 13 games after missing time due to a low ankle sprain in week five. But at running back 15, it seems like the price tag is decent and maybe the market is cautiously optimistic for a Barkley bounce back year. But I don't know. I mean, to me, I have Saquon Barkley ranked significantly higher than that. Mitch, what do you think? Yeah, I was going to say, fuck the market here. Saquon Barkles is my running back eight. And that's a big diff, man. Uh, I just landed him in a startup at pick uh the fifth pick in the fourth round. And uh, yeah, I said enough is enough and traded up to land him there because he was falling too far. And I think he's just suffered from a serious case of what have you done for me lately? Because I think people are asleep. Like he was recovering from that ACL last year. Then his ankle blew up the size of a grapefruit. He was on a shitty team. But like you mentioned, there were glimpses of his rookie greatness in some of those runs last year. And I know he still got it. So it's enough to leave me optimistic about him starting a year healthy this year, 2022, uh, without the training wheels that he had last year and without the constant just fight to get back there. So there's no excuse for 14. Yeah, looking at the ranks here, we're, we're all in agreement. We're well ahead of market here. John's the lowest 11. All of us um, besides John have him in our top 10. I'm with you, Mitch, 100% agree. He's been one of the strongest buys of the offseason, and you know that's still true today. So I'm, I'm completely with you on that. So I guess we can move on uh, to Brita because I think it's kind of weird to me that Brita is the prime handcuffed, and he's being slept on too because behind Saquon, there's dust. I mean, Gary Brightwell, like, cool. Uh, I'm not a Brita guy per se, but uh, if Saquon goes down and the market seems to kind of assume that that might happen, 
then why isn't Breida higher than running back 104? Like he's in the triple digits. Yeah, uh, Matt Breed is a guy who's probably on waivers everywhere, and I'm, I'm completely with you on this as well. He should not be on any waiver wire. He should be on every single bench right now. He's a super strong buy. Yeah, I hate to say this mid-draft because I was going to actually text you before the show, be like, hey, do we want to <laughs> add him to our queue? I mean, we're at that stage, <laughs> but here we are. Hey, and and then the shower narrative because he followed uh, Coach Dayball from Buffalo. Exactly, and guys. He's, he's still only 27 years old. feels like he's been around for a long time. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's a great call out there. Uh, value at running back 104. Stupid. All right. The tight end room. Uh uh, a gross room, but you know, we need to talk about it. We got Ricky Seals Jones is the tight end one there currently on the depth chart. He's tight end 50 on keep trade cut. And then after that, you know, I think it's Daniel Bellinger who, who is unranked. Hey, you say who, but I I, I've been, who. I've been putting Daniel Bellinger on my teams. Cause look, he's unranked on keep trade cut. So he's free. And he's a fourth round pick and he's got the second best relative athletic score in the class. Big winner at the combine. He was a big winner from the senior bowl. He's kind of shaken out to be my Tommy tremble this year. Uh, But Trey, what do you think about the tight end room here in New York? Yeah, I like that call, man. I, I'm not really going to place bets on Ricky seals Jones. So I'll, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'll pass on that good dude. But, uh, I like Danny Bellinger, man. Uh, the fact that you've been picking him up in all your rookie drafts, I think that's a great call out. He, yeah, I mean, I know John has called him a little bit of a, um, you know, more of a blocker, but I think we saw yeah. enough pass catching ability out of uh, San Diego State, right? Where yep. there's reason to believe in his profile. And he walked into a great situation if, you know, Seals Jones is his only competition for targets. So the benefit of a guy like Bellinger is you, might know what you have in them before some of the other tight ends that are going in that range. Yeah. And, and you know, in 2020, he posted like a 15.8% target share in that offense. You know, it's, it's, it's not great, but it's not nothing. It's not right. Nothing. So I think, and clearly a fourth round pick, you know, they've got plans for him here. So uh, I, I'm glad you appreciate the call. <laughs> I'm glad you appreciate the call out. Uh, clearly. Put on, he's, I mean, we all know Mitch hates rookie tight ends, so I'm not even going to ask him about it. But hey, put him on your taxi squad. Anyway, uh, let's move on to the final team we're going to talk about today. And that is the battery throwing Philadelphia Eagles. Fuck the Eagles. But let's talk about them at quarterback. Jalen Hurts, quarterback 12 on keep trade cut, quarterback six in fantasy points per game last year. And started the year on absolute fire. Like in the first six weeks, like he did not score below something like 22 points. And he was usually in the mid-20s range. They bring in A.J. Brown. It looks like the offense is set up for Jalen Hurts to succeed in 2022. But after that, just a massive question. Because they've got a lot of draft capital in the vaunted 2023 class. That could threaten his job. So Trey, what do we think about Jalen Hurts as a fringe quarterback one in the dynasty marketplace? So... The word on Jalen Hurts is he is projected to be a top five quarterback in this season for sure. Like I'm undisputed at this point. The the question is how much longer does he get to hold on to the starter job? And if he performs well enough in real football, then, you know, maybe he'll convince the Eagles they don't need to use one of those future first round picks on a quarterback in 2013 or in 2023. (laughs) 
It's a big risk though. Um, so yeah, if you're contending this year, he's, it's an interesting kind of situation that he puts you in because he's so young. He, he presents this like rebuilder value as well, but you know, if he's going to lose his job in a year or two, then he's almost like, he almost belongs in that like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady discussion. So I like him. I, I think I'm willing to bet on the upside for this year, but recognize the risk in a guy like Hertz. And that's why he's kind of fallen into that QB 12 range on keep trade cut. Isn't it wild that a quarterback is like being threatened to lose his job by somebody that's not even on the team yet? Like, dude, like the guy has done nothing but perform. And it's like, sorry, bro, it's just not good enough. And I guess we're really going to find out. We're going to find out this year because they weren't shy about uh, putting some weapons around him. Right. And and really what AJ Brown does, what Devontae Smith does is it removes any of those excuses, right? Like they're going right. to figure out if he's got the arm talent to win at the next level because he's got the weapons now for sure. It kind of kind of hurts you guys to say, but the, the Eagles, they're doing some good things right now. And uh, they're not a team to be fucked with, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think you're going to see throughout the rest of this segment. Uh, I'm I'm actually pretty high on the Eagles from a fantasy <laughs> standpoint. Like Mitch earlier, like in the beginning of the episode, you called out Dak as, you know, the best value among the top end quarterbacks. And maybe Jalen Hurts doesn't qualify for that because of all these question marks. But man, I am really into Jalen Hurts at quarterback 12 on keep trade cut because the contract though. Yeah, no, I mean, look, he's going into his third year as a second round pick, right? So he's got a a four year contract. And if he performs this year, I think there's a real, there's a decent possibility that he ends up getting an extension and then just roll. You know, I don't necessarily think that's likely, but it's enough to where the production I'm going to get this year in 2022 and the possibility that it continues I'm really in on that price, right? So in startups, I've been drafting him in the second round, you know, early to mid second round. I'm, I'm, I'm in on Jalen hurts at this price. It's just cause like the fantasy upside is so good. I think he's got a lot of intangibles that help him in real football in terms of leadership ability. Right. And I believe, you know, if Daniel Jones, even if, you know, he was a first round pick, so there's more insulation, Right. I think if he can hold on to a job for four years, for five years, I can see it happening with Jalen Hurts as well. Um, So I've been in. um, We'll see what happens. I'm going to be, I hate the Eagles, but I'm going to be rooting for Jalen Hurts. (laughs) So let's not forget, let's not forget that Hurts dragged that team to the playoffs last year too, which is definitely something that Daniel Jones was not doing with that Giants offense. That's fair. They're, they're, if Jalen Hurts, on the other hand, falls flat on his face and he gets pulled, you know, their backup is Gardner Minshew, who we've seen can have fantasy relevance at different points. So uh, I don't think he's a he's a bad end of bench stash in your super flex leagues. Um, all right, let's move on to the wide receiver room. Uh, Mitch clearly disagrees about my Gardner Minshew take, but alas, we will move on to the wide receiver room. We've got uh, two really good options followed by, I think, what is some decent wide receiver depth for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. I guess the concern with the entire pass catching group is the lack of expected volume. You know, this is a rush first offense. So how does that factor into our evaluation of A.J. Brown, who is wide receiver six on keep trade cut and Devontae Smith, who is wide receiver 23 on keep trade cut? Mitch. Well, A.J. Brown, 
Uh, sucks to see him in that Eagles green now, but you know he was he went from a rushing offense to a rushing offense, so uh, that doesn't really move the needle either which way for me. If anything, I like Hurts better than Tannehill throwing him the ball. So uh, I have AJ Brown still at wide receiver four. Uh, now this target share situation is going to be a bit messy with Devonta Smith and AJ Brown there. And uh, we'll we'll see how that shakes out, but I think we can assume that AJ will get a bulk, will get the bulk of the work, and Devonta should slot in right behind him. Uh, I have Devonta Smith at seventeen, and I'm still expecting a wide receiver two with upside from him as well. So I I'm not nuking him with the arrival of AJ Brown. So just because they were a run heavy team last year, though, I don't know if they're going to continue down that path like as strictly this year because of just the way that they've like lined up their roster all their running backs like miles sanders kenneth gainwell and boston scott who we'll uh talk about here in a few those guys are good pass catchers and um i i can expect jalen hurts to be running around and just spreading it out a little bit more Let, let's see the the training wheels come off here yeah I was I was listening to uh, an episode of um, I think it was JJ Zacharyson the other day, and he was basically talking about the impact that these uh, rushing quarterbacks have on their um, their pass catching options. And you know the issue is these guys basically make one ca- or one read and go. And um, oh, you know what? It was actually it was uh, it was Josh Larkey and Ray GQ on the FTN pod. That's who it was. Um, so they were talking about how these rushing quarterbacks they make one read and go right. And so if you're not the first option and you're not the second option, you're basically not going to see the ball, which I think is probably a fair interpretation of this offense. So really the way I kind of see it shaking out is it's going to be the AJ Brown show. And then it's probably going to be one of Devonte Smith or Dallas Godert. I don't think all three of them are going to eat in this offense. So somebody's going to be left behind or they're all going to cap each other's upside and they're all going to end up not returning value. So it's a little bit of a murky situation, but I've been buying up Devonte Smith shares where I could get them over this off season, because I think he really, really shined as a rookie. He had a, a kind of an underrated rookie season. And I just really believe in the talent that he's got. What I wrote next to Devonte Smith wide receiver 23 on keep trade cut is ding, 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 ding. Cause I, I have him in the 15, 16 range And I think there's a pretty big gap between him and the receivers that you see in wide receiver 23 and 24 for my own personal ranks. And you know what is crazy, Trey? I'm going to try to articulate this because I'm not sure it makes sense. All right. I agree with you. I think that there's not a lot of volume in this offense, right? So because of that, it's going to be the A.J. Brown show. But at the same time, I think I'm ahead of market on Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, and Dallas Goddard. I'm not looking to have multiples of them on my dynasty teams, Mm -hmm. but I want a share of one of them on each of them because I think they're all a little bit undervalued right now. And yes, like one or two of them is probably not going to return value at their price, but I think there's potential for all of them to smash their current value, right? So if I'm buying Devontae Smith where I can, but I'm going to be much more hesitant if I already have Dallas Goddard. So I just want to just say this about Devontae Smith's rookie year, 37.1% market share of air yards, which is insane. 
and yeah. he hit up uh 2.16 yards per route run so he cleared that two yards per route run threshold as a former first round pick it is almost guaranteed that he is going to be a wide receiver one year in year out for years to come and that's back to where i am on these two i think it's going to be the aj brown and devonta show week in and week out and you know, Dallas Goddard will get his, but I think it's it's definitely capped by the A.J. Brown trade. I think it kind of pushes him back down towards like tight end seven or eight or something yeah. like that. But uh, what I did want to talk about was the other wide receivers just quickly, because I agree so much with what you guys are saying that like Kez Watkins or Jalen Ragor, like get rid of those dudes. There's nothing that they're going to do for you at all. Like. Uh, it's just part of this big, messy, gross roster clog. Flush it down. Yeah, agreed. I I agree with you. I think Quez Watkins and uh, Pascal. I think they're like pretty good real life receivers, mm-hmm. and they're going to be good for the offense. Fantasy dust. All right, let's move on to the running backs. We've said it. We know this is going to be a run heavy team. So maybe somewhere between what they were in the first half of last year and the second half of last year when they were like the most run heavy team in the league. And to my mind, all of these ranking on rankings on keep trade cut seem like values. You got Miles Sanders at running back 30, Kenneth Gainwell at running back 52 and Boston Scott at running back 86. I think there's arbitrage opportunities in there. I think it's I think there's value. Trey, what do you think about this running back room? So Miles Sanders at running back 30 is just showing how burned everybody was in the market. If you had him on mm. your team last year, because he had what, like zero touchdowns on the season. So <laughs> donut, he will probably he will probably score more than zero touchdowns this year. Like I'm willing to make that bet. I don't know if I'm going to go out and actively try to trade for him, but he's probably a strong hold if you've already got him on your team. Maybe he's a slight buy. I disagree, and I hated on Miles a lot last year, so this is fun. But uh, Tarek and I on the team that we are co-managing, I've been in his ear about Miles because this this dip is too low for me, and I'm ready to dip my toes back in the water because I I just think that they didn't do anything else to add to this committee here, and Miles is clearly the number one because Kenneth Gainwell is such a good wide receiver in the way they like to use him. And uh, Boston Scott is kind of similar to Miles, but he's just not as good. So uh, I I think Miles can only do better than he did last year. Yeah. So you're saying you're buying Sanders where you can now? Yeah, I'm buying Miles Sanders at running back 30 prices. Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, what you just have to believe is that the usage is going to change, right? Because they were taking him off the field for Boston Scott last year, or they were putting it in Jalen Hurts' hands, so... If, if he's going to get those looks in the red zone, which he didn't get la- last year, then yeah, he'll absolutely smash at this value. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not as confident in it, but it's hard to argue that running back 30 is an, you know, a cheap discount. Yeah, he's always been a very efficient runner because he, he hits big plays, right? So, And I think last year especially, it was just like, injuries and very inopportune moments right and it was also like yeah he made some mistakes as well i think he got pulled a few times for fumble fumble issues so you know um we'll see i I think also kenneth gainwell at running back 52 that's that's a huge value to me i i think i think mitch i think you agree with me i think gainwell is a talented player but earlier you were saying you're kind of more out on satellite backs or was that Trey? No, I, I agreed with him. Yeah, on, but so I'm, I'm going to lead the way there because I, I 
was looking at the opportunity for Gainwell and kind of like who else was going in that range. And uh, I, on the one squad I had him, I, I moved him in a deal that got me uh, Khalil Herbert because I just think there's going to be like a different archetype there, right? One is a satellite back. The other could come in and be an every down, you know, workhorse if the opportunity arose. Yeah, I I don't look at Kenneth Gainwell as a satellite back. I look at him more of a weapon back. Like like I mentioned last year, he had his own role. Like if you recall, they would use him and they went for two a lot. It was like they just designed two point conversions for the guy. And uh, he's like their Cordero Patterson. Yeah. And yeah. so like if he grows into that weapon role, like that's not like satellite pass catching back like this guy. He can run it, too. So 52, that's, yeah, I, I've i been in on Kane, uh, Kenneth Gainwell for a bit, though. I get what you're saying, like, if he can grow into that, I'm just not going to bet on it happening. Well, they were growing it for him as a rookie. Well, all right. Trey's out, me and Mitch are in on Kenneth Gainwell at running back 52. Let's close out the show with the tight end. We've referenced him a few times here as Dallas Goddard, who is tight end eight on keep trade cut. Another player who I think took a very reasonable hit when A.J. Brown came to town in terms of expected volume. But, you know, when he was on the field last year, factoring in that Zach Ertz was traded on October 15th. So for Goddard, I think his target rate stat is a little bit more interesting than his target share stat. Mm -hmm. His target rate stat was 26%, which is really excellent. And I think with as good of a player as Goddard is, and I'm a Goddard truther, so you can take this with a grain of salt if you want. I think he can easily return value on that tight end ranking with about like 20 to 22% of the targets. What do you think about that, Mitch? Yeah, I like I mentioned, I think AJ did hurt his value and he's the uh, the odd man out in my opinion here. But I, I do think that he's going to get his too. Like it, it, at this edge of the top tight end, like he still gets to be in that tier just because of what's behind him. So uh, you can't knock him back too far. Like, he's still a, a good player. I I don't know. For me, he's a hold, though. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be selling him after this, after the trade. And um, I think that in any situation that I've tried to go by Dallas Goddard, at least in my experience, uh, the, the manager wants the full price, the tight end six price. Yeah, I mean, I was able to just get him on my squad uh, by trading away the 11th pick in the first round of the uh, rookie draft. So rather than get a guy like Pickens or Dotson, who I don't really believe in, you know, I swapped that for Goddard, who, you know, I think has shown enough with this target rate that he is a talented player. It's just a tough situation to see the volume, you know, uh, supporting uh, top end tight end season. So I think he might be a little bit more in that six to 12 range of tight ends this year. And unless the offense kind of changes and it's more pass heavy going forward, we might not ever see him break into that top five, but I do agree. I think the talent is there. Yeah. But I mean, before alpha J Brown came into town, I was like, I was almost like it is written that Dallas Goddard is going to be a top <laughs> three tight end this year. Right. So obviously I've come off that a little bit, but I'm still in on that tight end eight price all right y'all we got seven more of these to do and hey, we're hey, oh, oh 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 i i want to talk about grant calcaterra i want to break all my rules real quick okay so i've seen 
Yeah, I've seen this guy play in person, of course, at SMU, and I've actually watched some tape here uh, from Oklahoma, and the dude is a good pass catcher. And I, I don't think that he—I don't know much about his tight end or his blocking, but the dude's got some soft hands, and he had some mojo with the uh, the quarterback there, Mordecai, at SMU. So there are no expectations for me for— uh, Calcaterra here, but I know I, I picked him up in a couple leagues and I'm stashing him right on my taxi squad. And uh, the one exception I'm going to make for a rookie tight end is if he is a free rookie tight end that I picked up after the draft. And that's where the uh, the price is right here. Free. The, the one exception you'll make is when you get that confirmation bias with SMU. Yep. For free. <laughs> Now, Calcaterra is a guy who's interesting. He's got some really awesome athleticism, too. I don't don't expect a lot for a six-rounder, but uh, I like the stash call there, Mitch. I'm not hating. All right, so we'll close out there. Like I said, we got seven more of these to do, and uh, we'll probably try to get through them a little bit quicker than an hour and 25 minutes Yay. here. But, you know, hey, we, we always like to stretch our legs on the long game. We are playing the long game after all. So... Thank you for listening to episode 56 of TLG. We'll see you next week. Drink wild turkey. Gobble, gobble, bitches. No, I ain't